When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Here we go. And as we always like to say around this time, thank you to each and every one of you out there who's following along, listening to us, spending some of your day on the journey. We appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you very much. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, my name is Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. The big game out of the NBA last night, perhaps one of the best in the association all season long. LeBron James and the Lakers overcome a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit to beat the Los Angeles Clippers 116-112. James finishes with 34 points and 8 assists. The 21-point comeback was the largest fourth-quarter comeback of LeBron's 21-year career, according to ESPN Stats and Information. Now, earlier today, Gabe and I had a discussion about the Lakers, what this means for their future. Are they perhaps turning it on? We want to look at it from both perspectives right now. Did that game, Gabe, last night, did it tell you more about the future of the Lakers this season, or did it tell you more about the future of the Clippers this season? It tells me more about the future of the Clippers, because with the Lakers, they had a hot 12 minutes of basketball. LeBron James hitting five three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Like, I wonder how much the Clippers are beating themselves up. Yes, they should have been more efficient offensively. You need to score more than 16 points in the fourth quarter of an NBA game. But how much are they beating themselves up after LeBron hit a 28-foot three-pointer? Like, I mean, you're really kind of, oh, man, we should have closed out better. He's not Steph. He's not hitting those all the time. And then the last three that he hit in that fourth quarter was a step-back 26-footer. But sometimes a guy gets hot. Now, yes, you need to be better efficient offensively, but it tells me more about the Clippers and what they are going forward because they were missing a huge piece last night, Joe, in, in Paul George. Like Him not being on the floor, if he's there... Yeah, maybe LeBron goes off, but the comeback falls short because then they still have an offensive piece that is able to help them score more than 16 points. You know, it's fascinating. The Clippers are kind of the anti-Bucks right now. And you're in Milwaukee. You cover the Bucks on a regular basis. We got a situation where the Bucks had high expectations, stumbled through a bit of the early part of the season, changed coaches. You know, we've all been paying attention. They have come off the break, and they have looked fantastic. They appear to be a team that's figuring out some of their issues. How far they go remains to be seen, but it's been a pleasant second half. The Clippers, meanwhile, were so deadly during the first half of the season. Guys like Kendrick Perkins, who we love on this show, picked them to win the title. Said that's the front runner to go out and win the whole thing. Harden and Westbrook and Kawhi and Paul George. Look at how stacked these guys are. Norman Powell stepping in for Paul George. Look at how dangerous the Clippers could be. They've come off the break. They've been a mess They get rocked by Oklahoma City on the road right off the break. They lose by 22 in that game. They bounce back to beat Memphis by six. Big deal there. Then they lose to Sacramento by 16. And then they blow a 21-point fourth quarter lead to the Lakers last night. One and three since then. And a lot of people are asking the question, did we get out over our skis with the Clippers? I think you need this sort of thing during the course of a season. You really do. You need it during your life. You need it during your, your work experience as a parent. 
you need to go through adversity. You need to see what it's like and how you respond when the times get tough. Everyone looks good when you're winning. Everyone looks good. <laughs> Everyone says the right thing to the media. Everyone talks to their teammates in such a nice, respectful way. Everything's cooking when you're winning. When you're losing, that's what we want to see what you're made of. Now, it's only three losses in four games, and they haven't had Paul George, but damn, I don't think people realize, Gabe, just how valuable Paul George is to this team. Offensively and defensively, he has been a beast this season. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And as good as Kawhi is, and Kawhi is fantastic, and as good as Ty Lue has done in getting Russell Westbrook and James Harden buying into their roles, when we talked about James Harden last year for the Sixers and he was able to score a couple of times in some of the playoff games that they had, it was, oh, he's turning back the clock. Like the James Harden that was, you know, a league MVP and filling up the stat sheet when he was in Houston, that James Harden doesn't exist anymore. You've got point guard James Harden who can distribute, who can still get some shots from time to time, but you still need that probably best offensive weapon that they have in Paul George. Again, Kawhi's great, and Kawhi's a really good two-way player. He can knock down those tough mid-range shots. But Paul George, to me, is the engine that makes that offense go. He's going to be a free agent after the season, too. I mean, from L.A., loves playing with the Clippers. I know there's a rumor out there that a big star is set to join the Lakers next year. People look to Trey Young in Atlanta, possibly. People look to Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland, joining LeBron and uh, D'Angelo, or joining LeBron and Anthony Davis. What if it was Paul George? Like, if Paul George just flipped over, if, if things didn't go well, because Steve Ballmer is set to pay a lot of money to a lot of players. He's opening up the new arena next year in L.A., new logo for the Clippers, new era. He's going to want all these guys locked in. Kawhi's already been paid in part so that he can help recruit Paul George to stay. But if Paul George can just slide right over into a Lakers uniform... And perhaps he's, I don't know, maybe it just doesn't work out with these guys down the stretch. What does that look like moving forward? Oh, man, I would feel bad for every Clipper fan out there. <laughs> because you're you're finally building this momentum. Finally. You're getting your own arena. Like All these good things seemingly are happening. Like Finally, this team is healthy. Because they haven't been healthy since they you know assembled this squad after Kawhi had his run in 2019 in Toronto. Finally, it looks like everybody's healthy. Everybody's going to be ready to go for the postseason, only to have it all fall apart. And then have Paul George just stay in L.A. but go to the Lakers? That, oof. That would be that would be status quo high on the list. It'd be yeah, status, I guess quo. status quo. It'd probably be status expected. quo for a Clipper fan. Yes, <laughs> just Choose. constantly getting kicked between the legs. Before we go to the Lakers, the assessment on the Clippers right now is this just a blip on the radar? Something we're discussing, and then ultimately they'll get back on track. They'll be formidable, and we'll see them make a deep run in the playoffs. Or do you think maybe what we saw early in the season was a little bit more than what they're capable of, and ultimately they're not that big a threat in the Western Conference? What this tells me, because we've seen it, a couple of teams go through this. Like, I mean, you, you bring up the Bucks. The year the Bucks won a championship, Giannis missed the last couple of games in the Eastern Conference Finals with a knee injury before he ended up playing in the Finals. What this tells me is, even if you're playing a team, because the West is so deep, even if you're playing one of those lower-seeded teams, the Clippers cannot afford to have one of their guys miss three to four games. They have to stay healthy for their entire playoff run. That's what this current run of Clippers play is telling me. They need all their pieces in order for this thing to work. Yeah, you got to remember the year they went to the, was it the conference finals against Phoenix? And then Phoenix triumphed and went on to lose to Milwaukee. 
Kawhi, if I don't, if I remember correctly, went down in that series. That he was did. Paul George carrying them and playing at a really high level. They're going to need him on the court. I know there's a lot of focus on what Harden's brought them this year. Paul George, man, do not sleep on what he means to that team. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio were presented by Progressive Insurance. And then there's the other side of what happened in last night's game. LeBron one-on-one against Plumlee. LeBron, three-pointer. Good again! Two-point game! 106-104. Lakers trailed by 21 in this quarter. Nobody else should touch the ball next offense. Just give it to LeBron, let him pull up. So now we got everybody looking at the Lakers thinking, here we go. Just like last year, they turned it on in the second half of the season, made a run, got into the playoffs, advanced all the way to the Final Four, the conference finals, before being, I believe, swept out by the Denver Nuggets. Still a hell of a run. Some people are starting to think it could happen again. Gabe, are you one of those people that believes that? I am not one of the people that can believe that. Because, I mean, last night was a great 12 minutes. It was fun. It was so much fun to see LeBron just kind of turn back the clock. And you can see, just with the body language of LeBron, when, I mean, we've seen it a bunch over the 21 years that in his career, where that jump shot, those three-pointers start falling, you can just see a body language change in, in LeBron James of, oh boy, here we go, buckle up, because this is going to be a fun quarter of basketball. But he cannot do that night in and night out. He made five threes in the fourth quarter, which, again, tremendous. He's made five threes in a game only two other times this season. He's, it's just not sustainable of having to play tight game after tight game, having a 21-point comeback like he did last night. It was fun, and I don't want to take away how fun last night was watching as even a non-Lakers fan. But to me, that's not a sign of things that are going to come. They were still down. They, they played terribly through three quarters. They were down 21 points to a Clippers team that we were just talking about, how they need all their pieces. They were down 21 points to a team that did not have their best offensive weapon at their disposal last night. Historical performances aren't the type of performances you can repeat. Because if you could, they wouldn't be historical. If you watch what happened last night and you say, here they come, yeah, that's a hell of a game, but you're not going to do that every single night. You have to remember, the Lakers dug themselves a hell of a hole here. They're currently the nine seed. Ten and a half back of first place. Two games back of Sacramento in the eight seed. Two and a half back of Dallas for the seventh seed. Then if you want to get the six and avoid the play-in, you're three full games back of the New Orleans Pelicans. What I'm getting at here is in order to, to, to put yourself in a position where you could at the very least avoid the play-in, you got to have a hell of a run through the next 22 games. That's how many games you have left in the regular season. And let's say you have a hell of a run through the next 22 games. Then the playoffs start. They don't end. They start. You then have to have a hell of a run by winning four of seven in the opening round, four of seven in the conference semis, four of seven in the conference finals, and then four of seven in the finals to win a championship, which is what this is all about for the Lakers. Hell of a game last night. Not repeatable. At least not repeatable often enough to get where they're ultimately trying to go. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. LeBron was not the only one who made history last night in the NBA. That's coming up next. Carlin versus Joe, Gabe Neitzel, and Joe Fortenball on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. A huge night on the hardwood. Off the floor, James hammers a right hand dunk. Let's get caught up with Carlin versus Joe's NBA to Z. NBA to Z, he's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And let's begin with the birthday boy. Look at the offensive rebound, the stick back, and the triple double. 30 points, 16 assists, 11 rebounds for Luka Doncic, who in the second half of a back-to-back, these are the games where people think you'll be at your worst. He was at his absolute best game as the Mavericks take down the Raptors. Yeah, he, he was absolutely fantastic, obviously, in that game last night. He needs to continue to be fantastic because they are in the playing tournament as of right now, which is probably why he's not getting more love for that MVP because his team is sitting down there as the number seven team. Granted, the West is stacked, and this team wouldn't be any good if he wasn't doing any of these things, but their record still isn't fantastic, and they've got work to do to climb their way into that main part of the Western Conference. 5-1 to one to win the MVP award was 13-1 to one to win the MVP award coming off the All-Star break, which was just a week ago. He's been that good since then. It feels like a buzzkill that this team can't make more noise on a repeated basis in the postseason. He's such a freakishly good player, and yet we don't get enough of him in these postseason runs. I know Dallas has been active in trying to build the right roster around him, but at some point, we gotta get this guy in some serious, serious situations late in the year. I know he had that conference championship run against the Warriors, but they got waxed right out of the playoffs there. DeRozan fires it up! Bam! What a shot! DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls. That's courtesy of 670, the score. Andre Drummond, 17 points and 26 rebounds in that matchup. Yeah, double overtime victory over the Cavs last night. That's a big loss to me for the Cavs because the Cavs are trying to hold off the Bucks, trying to hold off the Knicks and prove to everybody that the hot streak that they had prior to the All-Star break wasn't the anomaly, that they are that good of a team and yet they follow up with a team that's 
in the ninth spot. A team that's below 500 couldn't take care of business last night. To me, that's a tough loss for the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers. See, that's an excellent point because Cleveland knocks down the buzzer beater and everyone celebrates it for a day. You take out Dallas, congratulations. You have a game the next night. Dallas comes out, they handle their business against Toronto. Not a great Raptors team, but still a tough spot on the second half of the back-to-back. Meanwhile, the Cavs, they put in the effort, but they lose to a Bulls team that's three games under 500. When we're talking about jockeying for playoff seeding, these are the games that can come back to bite you. Step back three. Yes for Jamal Murray. Nuggets take down the Kings 117-96. Sacramento tried to give it their all late in the fourth quarter. It wasn't enough. Luka Doncic has been an absolute beast. What else is new with the way he's playing this season? Five in a row is what they're going to go for tonight as they host the Heat in an NBA Finals rematch. Coverage begins 9.30 p.m. Eastern tonight on ESPN Radio. When we talk about, hey, this is what you're supposed to do to the Los Angeles Lakers, this is what we're talking about. Like, I believe that the Denver Nuggets are just as good as they were a season ago because they go out there, they take care of their business night in and night out. It's it's something that some of these other teams need to take note of because, everyone, oh man, I guess the Nuggets are having an okay season. Yeah, they're only two games out of first place in the Western Conference. It's not like they're just sitting there a middling team. They have been playing really good basketball, and I still think we haven't seen their best. Jokic, not Doncic, is what I meant there. My apologies. Jokic, 14 points, 14 rebounds, and 11 assists as he records his fourth straight triple-double. Albert gets by. Final Who floated in from the weak side. Indiana handles their business 121 to 111. Pascal Siakam, Tyrese Halliburton, audio courtesy of ESPN. They need some of these things to come together defensively. Otherwise, to me, Indiana is a lot like, with a worse record at this point, what the Sacramento Kings were a year ago. Yeah, they've got a lot of explosive, fun offensive talent, but they don't stop anybody. They don't stop anybody, and you need to come up with those stops once you hit the, po- hit the postseason. Fun team to watch, but I don't think they're a real threat in the East. First time this season the Pelicans lost, wherein Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum each had 20-plus points since McCollum joined the team. They had four games like that previously. They had won all four of them. Oh, mama, weapon, yama! And then there's tonight in the association as we begin to look ahead, and this one should be a doozy. Now, granted, Oklahoma City finds itself as a very sizable favorite in their matchup against the San Antonio Spurs, but we get the two front runners for this year's NBA Rookie of the Year award, Victor Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. This should be a doozy. You put those two big men who are just, I'm going to be honest, awkward to look at with their size. Just Uh, awkward. But then beautiful to look at when you see them play basketball. Arms and legs everywhere. And yet, yes, (laughs) it becomes so pretty. I've seen some blocks from Wembenyama this year where he's treating it like I would treat some sort of four-year-old trying to drive the basket. Like, not even jumping, just kind of putting out your arm like... You see me, I'm standing right here, right? Okay, I guess I'll just take the basketball. It He has been so fun to watch. And the same thing with Chet Holmgren. And, and it's good to see him bounce back from the injury that he's had. Granted, a lot of the stuff when you talk about OKC goes to Shea Gildress-Alexander, but Chet Holmgren's been a big part of their success as well. All right, so let's drill down on this for a moment. Wembenyama right now, minus 900 to win Rookie of the Year at ESPN Bet. That means you got to risk $900 to win 100 What it tells you is he is a sizable favorite sizable and mostly 
because he's putting up monster numbers, but he's also trending very well towards playing the 65 game minimum. Chet Holmgren, six to one. Brandon Miller is 150 to one. Jaime Jaquez in Miami's. 1500 to one. Those are the only four candidates they've even bothered posting at this point in time. Where this gets interesting is the fact that Chet Holmgren is actually in his second year in the NBA, but he is a candidate for Rookie of the Year. Ralph Sampson, Basketball Hall of Famer on NBA Radio on Sirius XM, talking about this very matter. He's not really a rookie. I agree with that because he was around the game in practice, watching, watching films, but also working out, right, as, as a pro. And it's different working out as a pro than women y'all working out overseas and playing games all the time. So it's a big, big difference. So the body's a little bit more, more, more mature. He knows the system a little bit better. And he has a better cast of character. So he's not a real rookie. I mean, it, legitimately, enough the league says the rookie didn't play. But he had, he's got an advantage for sure. Guarantee. And, and it's like different, different types of advantage that he has. So... I would I would fight against that if I was when when Benyama and Popovich to say he's not a real rookie. I would definitely fight for that for sure. Chet Holmgren hasn't played, didn't play a single game his rookie season. He had the Liz Frank injury, I believe, before the season mm-hmm. started. They shut him down, zero games. So this is the first season in which he's actually playing basketball games. Do you agree with Ralph Sampson though? Is he not a rookie? Should he not be eligible for this award? I, I think he should be. So if he's not eligible for Rookie of the Year, is he eligible for Comeback Player of the Year? <laughs> that would have to like, be the counter, right? So I that's guess an that, incredible I mean, <laughs> comeback from nothing to all this. <laughs> I mean, so that's so he has to be eligible for one of those two awards, and I guess I would lean towards Rookie of the Year. Yes, it, the, the point he makes about having the advantage of being able to be around the team, be able to understand what you're trying to accomplish, see how everybody works, getting to work with a professional training staff, those are all tremendous advantages. But you know what? The best thing to do in order to get better is actually playing the games. Like, those are all things that you can do behind the scenes, certainly, and they're important. But playing in the games is even more important. If you didn't play a game, I don't think you just get to forfeit your rookie season. That's just not, to to me, that's not how it works. Either that or you make him eligible for comeback player of the year, even though he has yet to play a game in the NBA. Very well argued. Handman, your thoughts on this is, should Chet Holmgren be eligible for rookie of the year, despite this being his second season in the NBA? Yes is the answer, but I just wanted to address what Samson said to begin. That oh, he was around the game, all of these things. Wembenyama has the biggest advantage. He played like three years of pro basketball overseas before coming to the NBA. He, he's got the most experience for prof- of professional basketball. So, so let's discount him. It's an excellent counterpoint, Wilner. Where do you weigh, weigh, weigh in on this? Should he be? Should Chet Holmgren be eligible for this award? Zero games last year, not a single minute. But this is technically a second season. Yes, I think he should be. I think it's a long NBA season. This isn't like the NFL where it's like 16 games. So like, if a guy doesn't play his rookie year, he's not eligible. It's a long NBA season. If you don't play in any of that season, yeah, I think the next year you should be eligible for rookie of the year. See, I disagree with everyone for one key point that no one brought up. Does anyone have any idea what it is? You bet on it. No, no, didn't bet on it. Should have bet on it. Actually bet on a bunch of other guys. I was like, there's no way Wembenyama is going to play 65 games this year. Have you seen that body? It's not happening. And then he pretty much spit all over that. No, let me ask you this. Did Chet Holmgren get paid last year? Yeah, he got paid. He got his full salary. He got the full salary last year. He was drafted. He showed up. He was paid a full salary. That's a season. Granted, he didn't get to play, and he doesn't become eligible for Rookie of the Year because, you know, he didn't play. No one's going to vote for him. But the reality is he got paid. So, sorry, you missed out on the award. I'd and, still take the check. And when Manyama got paid to play overseas. Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, but he's a rookie here. I mean, Major he's League a rookie Baseball, in the I mean, NBA. He's a rookie in the NBA. I see what you're yeah, trying to do to me here, but that's not going to work. 
Ichiro was like, what, 27, 28 when he, he first sure played Major League sure. Baseball? And, and he was Rookie of the Year because he was an MLB rookie. It's February. That's how that works. It's yeah, that's going to be this year, too, with uh, Yamamoto. Okay, now we're getting into, we'll get into no, all Baseball that. nerd, let's do it. Somewhere right around the corner. Somewhere right around the corner. It's February 29th, so which NFL teams will take a leap in 2024? That's coming up next. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fornball. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This week is NFL Combine Week on ESPN Radio. All the news. He's got as much riding on a 40 time as any player in this draft. Plus whose stock is rising and who's dropping. The NFL Scouting Combine. We are going to bring you up to speed on everything you need to know. Continuing coverage right here on ESPN Radio. All right, let's put a little different spin on things, shall we? He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. It is February 29th for the uninitiated. February 29th only occurs once every four years. Happy birthday to our good friend Taylor Twelman, who gets to celebrate every four years like some of you. What do you celebrate on that? Do Would you normally celebrate on the 28th or the 1st? Because the first is a completely different month, but the 28th isn't actually your birthday. It's before your birthday would have ever even occurred. How would you handle I, that? I think it's the 28th. I think you have to stay within the month, right? Because, I mean, it, it feels wrong. It feels like you're jumping the gun. Yeah, you are jumping the gun, but it does. But it feels worse if it's because then it feels like belated birthday if you're celebrating on the first. Very problematic. Very problematic. Our hearts go out to all of you who deal with this on a regular basis. Although, let's be honest, every four years when you celebrate, it's got to be a banger, right? Neither here nor there at the moment. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Which NFL teams make the leap next year? See what we did there? Variety of ways to define leap. Some of these could be really bad teams set to maybe threaten the playoffs. Some of these could be teams that were in the postseason that we're asking whether or not they're going to make a leap to a deeper postseason run. So let's begin right here. The Chicago Bears. Gabe, do the Chicago Bears make a leap next season from the 7-10 and record they produced last year? 
I think maybe they can get a little bit better, but I don't think they're taking a big leap because the next step for this Bears team would be be a playoff team. But the division that they're in, I don't see the Lions going anywhere. I don't see the Packers going anywhere. I don't think the NFC North is so good it's going to produce three playoff teams next year in the NFC. I am saying the Chicago Bears do not make a leap next season. I like the Bears. I I, I think we are so distracted by everything going on with their draft pick and Justin Fields, and it's an important position. It's the most important position in sports. But from Week 12 on last year, according to defensive efficiency, they were numbered two, I believe, in the NFL. They were a top three team. That defense got a lot better over the course of the season. They've got, like, top five salary cap space available. They can go spend money. They got a bunch of draft picks. This team is poised to take a leap if they can just get out of their own way. And sometimes there are organizations that just can't do that. Number two. The Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's take a look at where they were last season. Hell of a run, 10-7, and seven, made the playoffs, got rocked by Buffalo in Buffalo during the playoff game. Do they make a leap next season? I'm saying no. This is another team that does not make a leap next season. Even if they upgrade quarterback. Like, I don't think they're going to upgrade to Kirk Cousins. Like Best case scenario, they end up with Justin Fields. Like, and I like Justin Fields, but it's going to take time for them to adjust. Again, another really good division. You, you Even if they have Justin Fields, how do you feel about them About them against the Ravens, against a healthy Bengals team? The, the Browns have everything seemingly done up except for quarterback. I am saying the Steelers do not make a leap next year. Pay attention to the fact that the Steelers were very good in one-score games last season, and despite the 10-7 record, they had a minus 20-point differential. How are you going to have a winning record, 10-7, and and over the course of those 17 games get outscored by 20 points? That is a huge red flag. Quarterback decision will be everything. Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I don't see them doing a whole lot more. It feels like he's already squeezing every last bit out of that team. You never know. You get quarterback addressed. That offense was one of the worst in the NFL last year. The Baltimore Ravens. Ah, here we go. 13-4, the number one seed in the AFC, hosting all the way through if, of course, they could have found a way to beat the Chiefs. Do they take a leap next year and get themselves to the Super Bowl? I am going to say yes, because they were a Zay Flowers not taking care of the football at the goal line away from having that be a potential tie game against the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I think they were closer than maybe we want to give them credit for because of how ugly that second half ended up being. They're going to go out. I think they're going to end up with one of those running backs that is not getting franchise tagged. I think they're going to improve that position. Flowers is going to get better. Mark Andrews is going to be healthier. That defense has been great. I think the Ravens, it seems blasphemous to say, But I think the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl next year. I'm such a fool because I have, for the longest time, looked at the Ravens and said they're not built for prime time. They're a very, very good regular season team. And then when it gets to the playoffs, that's just not them. They are not that team. And last year I bought in. I bought into Todd Monken. I bought into the new weapons. I bought into Lamar Jackson. And I watched them crap all over themselves in the AFC Championship game. It's not like they played a great game and found themselves on the wrong end of a tough matchup. That's kind of what happened to San Francisco in the Super Bowl. San Francisco played a pretty solid game. They made some mistakes. They were on the wrong end of that outcome in overtime. The Ravens didn't even show up at home. And that was a wounded Kansas City team. You can't handle business there. What, I'm going to expect all of a sudden you're going to figure it out? Not meant for prime time. They're not making the leap. 
the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, here we go. The Las Vegas Raiders, 8-9 last year, closed strong under Antonio Pierce. Do they make a leap next season? I still see some of the same things. I think they're going to fight hard under Antonio Pierce, but I look at that quarterback position. I mean, they're going to lose, presumably, one of their best weapons in Josh Jacobs. And then they don't have a quarterback. What are they going to do with that position? They're not in a prime position to potentially have one of the top three in the draft. I don't think they're in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. I don't know what they're going to do at that position. If they end up with Bo Nix, does that make me feel better about the Raiders next year in a division that now has Harbaugh and the Chiefs? No, it does not. Raiders do not make that leap. They are a fascinating case study. An absolutely fascinating case study because a few years ago, the team rallied around Rich Bisaccia after John Gruden was run out. They closed strong. Mark Davis, the owner, decided no, we're going outside. We're not keeping Bisaccia. They bring in Josh McDaniels. It turns out to be a disaster. They turn it over to Antonio Pierce, and this time, they ride with the interim. So will that same momentum, that fire, that passion be evident next year? Keep in mind, they'll be on the road against Baltimore this year. They'll be on the road against Cincinnati, against Kansas City, against the Rams, against Miami. That's just the tip of the iceberg with the schedule. I think there's a lot to like there. I don't think they make much of a leap just given all the obstacles they have to figure out how to overcome. The Denver Broncos. All right, 8-9 and nine last year as well. Quarterback issues with Russell Wilson. Do the Denver Broncos make a leap next season? No, maybe they'd be a candidate in two years to make that big leap. It, it, to me, this comes down to a couple of different things. One, if they end up taking J.J. McCarthy at 12, how do you feel about J.J. McCarthy? I have no idea how to feel about J.J. McCarthy. And two, they're going to have to eat a lot of money with Russell Wilson. This, to me, is kind of a tear it down to build it back up type of season, especially if you're eating all that Russ Wilson money. Broncos are not going to take a leap forward. I'm going to tell you something right here. Sean Payton's legacy is going to be on the line. All right? He's always been regarded as this tremendous head coach because of everything that happened in New Orleans. Well, yeah, you had Drew Brees. You had a Hall of Fame quarterback play all the way through. Then you sat out naturally and you decided to get back in. So we all wanted to see where you'd land. You went to Denver. You took the huge payday. Year one with Russell Wilson. Okay. But remember something. When you got there, you put all of Russ's struggles on the previous organization. You threw Hackett under the boss. Everyone said that broke the coaching code. And then what happened? You didn't get anything out of Russell Wilson. I know his stats were slightly up, but you're yelling at him on the sideline. Things aren't working out. You're going to run him out of town. So whose fault is that? Sean Payton's getting dangerously close to being a guy that we all say, huh? Well, I mean, he had Drew Brees. When he had Brees, he was good. Very fascinated to see what happens with Denver. Let's fire one more. The Dallas Cowboys. Of course, the Dallas Cowboys. One and done in the playoffs last year after going 12-5 and and winning the division. Gabe, do they make the leap next year? Uh, No. I I am going to say no on the Dallas Cowboys. They just... So many issues. They've reached the point where it's they're, they're almost the bizarro Dallas, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Like, no matter what, what happens with Kansas City next year, Kansas City should be number one in every power ranking until they actually lose in the playoffs. The, I, I can't believe in the Cowboys at this point until they actually go out and prove to me that I should believe in them. Yeah, no, they're not making a leap. Like It's the same thing every year. Why would we expect anything to change when it's the same formula every year? You want to show me something different, a new coach, uh, an upgraded defense. You want to show me something like that? Like I'll buy in. I'll get intrigued. I'll get interested. I might even believe that you could make a little run. But, I mean, last year the NFC was kind of down and you didn't do anything with it. Eagles gave you the division and you didn't do anything with it. Now all of a sudden you're going to change next season? 
Sorry, he's Gabe Knight's alum, Joe Fortinball. Speaking of the Cowboys, Mad Dog Russo. Yesterday, phenomenal. He's got a way to help Dallas get over the hump. You got to hear it. That's coming up next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. Are you ready? Live from the heart of downtown Detroit, Michigan. The Detroit Lions select. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 25th. The NFL Draft is now officially open. The countdown rolls on. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. His name is Gabe Neitzel. My name's Joe Fordenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We appreciate you riding with us today. Thank you very much. Means the world to us. Because without you, we're just two lunatics speaking in the microphones in different states, rambling about topics, which can be fun, but also can be odd, Mr. Neitzel. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm having a blast, but yeah. I don't I don't think anybody cares unless, you know, unless somebody's actually listening to what we say. So it's always much appreciated. It, it's amazing how if you remove the audience from the equation, how cool this goes to how weird this goes simply by cutting the audience out like this whole setup, like with lights, with streaming it, with discussing it, the rundown, everything we do, the teasing, the promotion. If you remove the audience from the equation, this is one of the oddest things a few human beings can do together. People in the back, the handman producing. You need a producer for two idiots to scream at each other all day? Perhaps. Perhaps. All right, more on this. Probably never. But let's get to uh, Mad Dog Russo. First take yesterday. He's on every Wednesday. He does a phenomenal job. Interesting nugget or interesting thought as to what the big problem is for the Cowboys moving forward. But I don't want Jerry Jones anywhere near my ball club. He's an owner. Stay as an owner and stay away. I don't want you on the field. I don't want you doing post-game interviews with the media. I don't want you doing radio shows. Uh, there is no accountability with the Cowboys. To me, the karma is always bad with that franchise. Why? Because the owner is too involved. Owner too involved. Is Jerry Jones the single greatest obstacle to the Dallas Cowboys' success on the field? Of course he is. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the most obvious thing I think that could potentially exist. And so to kind of expound upon that point that Mad Dog was making, who's the face of the Dallas Cowboys? 
Jerry Jones. That's Jerry Jones. Yeah. But who's who's the face of the Kansas City Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So, I mean, the really good teams in this league, their owner is not the face of that franchise. But Jerry's been the face of this franchise probably since he fired Jimmy Johnson back in the 90s. The last I mean, time that someone other than Jerry was the face of the organization. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Correct. And that's part of the issue. And yes, he's made himself the general manager and that kind of compounds the issue. But even as the general manager, I don't know of very many general managers who do weekly radio hits, no. who do press conferences after every single game, who is as present as Jerry Jones is. I mean, as big as the NFL has gotten, if you follow the league, you probably have come to recognize a lot of the names. But they're mostly anonymous. Like, they want to stay behind the scenes. They don't want to step up to the podium and talk the way that their head coach has to, you know, multiple times throughout the course of the week. They want to stay in the shadows. They want to handle that. And yet Jerry finds a way to make everything about him. Because ultimately, his his opinion is the only thing that matters. If Mike McCarthy wanted to move on from Dak Prescott, that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is... Does Jerry Jones want to move on from Dak Prescott? Does Jerry Jones want to do all these different things? That's the only opinion that matters in that franchise, and that's not changing anytime soon. And that's why if the Cowboys ever have success the way they did back in the 90s, at this point, the success would be in spite of Jerry Jones. See, I I love Jerry's involvement because I think he's one of the all-time characters. Like, he is one of the all-time characters and personalities in this sport. And not all in a bad way. People will think that's a slight. It's not. His... Him buying the Cowboys and his involvement in the TV rights deals, there's this great story about how when Fox got involved and got the NFC back in the like early 90s, how the owners were sitting at a table. And it was the owner. I, I want to say it was Art Modell when he was with Cleveland before he moved him to Baltimore. And Art was talking about giving the TV uh, partners a discount on the package the following year because I think the product hadn't been very good or the games were good. There was some reason why they wanted to like give a make good to the, to the TV partners. And Jerry Jones was a new owner with the Cowboys and Pat Boland was with the Broncos. And they were like, no, what are you talking about? Like they started to understand the true value of what the NFL had over everybody else. They knew that for a network to be viable, the network had to have an NFL rights package. As we've seen, whether you've got the AFC package, the NFC package, whether it's Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, if you want to be relevant, you got to have a piece of the NFL. Otherwise, you're not relevant. They got that. He has played a huge role in the growth of the NFL. He's made a huge role in the popularity of the NFL. So I love him as a character, and I love that he does the radio interviews. I love all of it. He it is, does hurt he, the I mean, team, though. <laughs> well, well, but when it comes to, I mean, think about it. When, it. when it comes to building a brand, oh, sign me up for Jerry Jones. Yeah. Like, he has turned, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team despite not going to an NFC championship game in 30 years. Like he, they're still America's team. The Lions have now been to an NFC Championship game more <laughs> recently than the Dallas Cowboys have. The Cowboys are still America's team. That's because of Jerry. Jerry has branded the Cowboys fantastically. He has helped build the NFL into what it is today. That doesn't mean he knows and can make all the right football decisions. That doesn't mean he can't be a distraction for his own football team. When we're talking about making money and building a brand, put Jerry Jones at the top of the list. When we're talking about winning football games... Yeah, Jerry Jones isn't high up on that list anymore. Think about how he pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. When we think of America, we think, hey, 
We won World War I. We won World War II. We're a country of winners. The British tried to tax us twice, and we threw their tea overboard. America wins. He never wins, and that's America's <laughs> team. That's like, what the hell happened there? We have always prided ourselves on being winners. That's how we started. We started this country by winning the Revolutionary War, and that is... You know, other people will argue different things, but we, regardless, <laughs> that's who we've always held ourselves to be. And then America's team turns out to be the team that's always one and done in the postseason. By the way, great work to the boys in the back getting the details on what happened. It was 1992 at an NFL owners meeting. Network partners were saying they were losing money on the NFL product. Art Modell, who was the Cleveland Browns owner at the time and chairman of the NFL television committee, advocated for teams to give back $308 million in revenue in exchange for a two-year extension of the television contracts. Jerry Jones fought that idea. Three years later, Jones put a record $140 million into buying the Cowboys. He was not afraid to give money back despite what the old guard owners wanted to do. So that's what happened back then. That was the whole, like, Fox was trying to get involved, CBS, and I think it was NBC had the rights, and they were going back and forth, and it was, what was it? Like, Fox ended up with the NFC, and it ended up yep. being huge for them because that's when Dallas was really good, and they had the rivalry the with San Francisco, and Favre and the Packers came on there. Do you have something else to add? This story's phenomenal. It's, is it on The Ringer? Is that where it's from? No, this is actually from an ESPN.com story. This is an ESPN.com story. Okay. It's but phenomenal. The um, Right. Fox was... Fox was trying to get in. CBS lost the NFC rights. CBS had the NFC. Uh, NBC had the AFC rights. Fox tried to get in. They got the NFC. CBS got knocked out. NBC kept the AFC. And then CBS had to pay a boatload to get back in yeah. later on to get the AFC package when NBC didn't want it. Fox paid a fortune, but that was Rupert Murdoch. He realized, look, if we want to be relevant, and that was a newer network. They had The Simpsons, yep. which still on TV. Simpsons on TV as long as it's been since the Cowboys have been to an NFC championship game. Interesting parallel there. But just a fascinating story. But yeah, Jerry's a problem in terms of winning because it's not calm around Dallas. It's never calm around Dallas. The team with the most pressure to get their quarterback position right this offseason. Is it still the Chicago Bears? That's next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.